0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: Let us feel the warmth of a new dawn, and above all, let us seize the promise of a brand new day. Merci, mes amis. Thank you, my friends. Merci tout le monde. That's
0: what I said the first thing when I woke up this morning. Let's seize the promise of a brand new day. That's, that, those words came right out of my mouth. As they do each morning when I wake up. <laughs> I can't stop laughing at this. I, it's just... Anyway, I, I really shouldn't. But I can't help it. Uh, Michael Tobe, columnist for Troy Media and Looney Politics, contributor to the National Post and the Washington Times, was a speechwriter to former Prime Minister Stephen Harper, joins us for his biweekly review of what's going on in the world of politics, and sometimes we'll talk sports as well. Michael, can you hear those words coming out of the mouth of Stephen Harper?
1: (laughs) My God. I was about to say, hey, I woke up to the same thing, too. Did Um, you? It's catching. It's a virus. (laughs) No, Stephen Harper would never say anything like that, and I can speak for him on that. I I'm sure you can, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, unfortunately, this is just, you know, very briefly, this is just the way Justin Trudeau is, and we know it. We've seen it since 2015. He's always this great Shakespearean actor, except he never practiced Shakespeare, and he probably doesn't know it very well either. But he's very dramatic. He likes to use very light, fluffy phrases he likes to be positive and upbeat we know that you know use of sunny ways from um, from sir wilfrid laurier and other things that's the way he is this is his tone and as annoying as it is and i don't mind saying it roy it's annoying it is annoying uh, it's him and that's the problem this is the leader we've had he's now been elected three times god knows why but that's the way democracy works sometimes you get the leaders right. that you want and other times, you sit and twiddle your thumbs and wait for the years to go by. Well,
0: I mean, you write for the National Post, and there's a National Post column yesterday. Fifty-five percent of Canadians are saying five days after the election, they want him to re- resign.
1: Yeah. I saw that. But it's also interesting. We've been discussing in the National Post and other publications have been discussing it too about Aaron O'Toole's future a yeah, party leader. You wrote about that. more than two thirds of party members are perfectly fine to keep him aboard, so it just depends.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh, let's let's have a look. At, let's get your perspective on this election that cost us a mere six hundred million dollars, and if we combine it with the one of two thousand nineteen, which was a five hundred and two million, we're just right. over one point one billion dollars for two elections
1: in twenty three months. Exactly. And what did we get? A near-carbon copy of the 2019 Parliament yes, in 2021. Yeah. That's what yeah. we ended up with. Yeah. And again, you know, and I know it's simplistic, but we'll say it again. This is your money, ladies and gentlemen, those people who are listening. This is the taxpayer's money. It's not from the political parties. It's not from the, well, the wallets of Roy Green, Michael Tobin, and others, because, God, we weren't going to pay for it. But it actually is from all of us in general. And what ultimately really happened You know, we went through an election campaign 36 days this year. Uh, No major issue really stuck for a long time. We had some controversies, whether it was mandatory vaccines, which had some controversial discussions within it, Uh, guns, which had some controversial discussion within it, a little bit on the environment. But generally speaking, it was, you know, the Seinfeldian election in many ways. It was really an election about nothing because no big issue stuck whatsoever other than Canadians being unhappy that they were going to the polls early during COVID-19. But even then, and you probably saw it as well, Roy, we just did a very Canadian-type thing. We were furious for a little while, we finally shrugged, and just moved on. And that's basically the whole election in a nutshell. So over 1.2 billion, or roughly 1.1-something billion for nothing. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I did a little uh, review, a little historic review, biographical review. I went back and looked at his dad's early record in Canadian politics. In 1968, okay. he was elected with an overwhelming majority government. Trudeau mania right. had taken the country by storm. Yeah. So compare 1968 to 2015. Trudeau senior, Trudeau junior, both elected with majority governments. Mm-hmm. Four years later, there's another election for for each of them, and guess what? They're both returned with minority governments. And 23 months after that, there's another election, which resulted for Trudeau Sr. in a majority government, for Trudeau Jr. this past Monday, a minority government. So I think Mr. Trudeau Jr. was trying to just relive
1: the history of his dad. It didn't work out for him. Oh, yeah, he definitely tries to emulate him as much as he often says. And I forget the interview, but it was last year or so, Roy, where he basically said that he was not as familiar... With his father's political history even though he had been attached to the hip lived with him at 24 Sussex, and quite frankly even though he was younger he was part of that circle so for him to say that it may be true it may not be true but there's no question that he's tried to follow in his father's giant footsteps and you're right not only has he had two consecutive minorities what history will always maintain and remember which is kind of fascinating he is the first prime minister, not just to have two consecutive minorities, but two consecutive minorities when he actually lost the popular vote both times, which is quite fascinating. And
0: it's on a downward trend.
1: Yes, it is. To imagine that you're running the country with 32.6% roughly percentage of the vote, which means that, you know, almost, it's incredible, almost 65% almost of the country is to sixty four point four to be exact, but it's crazy to be, uh, sorry sixty seven point four. But it's crazy to believe that this is what's re- governing the country. But under our first past the post system, this is the way it operates. It's just unusual. But you're right. I mean, if you compare the two, certainly Pierre Elliott Trudeau was more successful in terms of the way he handled campaigns, the way he handled strategy, communications, and the election result than his son. But then again, as much as I disliked Pierre Trudeau and would never have voted for him, he was a real political animal. He was an intelligent guy. He was strategic. He knew what to do, what to say, and how to run a campaign. His son doesn't.
0: Yeah. Now, you wrote in in your piece in the National Post, you, you wrote about Aaron O'Toole. And the leadership of the Conservative Party, I think it's uh, predictable that when an opposition leader doesn't win an election, there are going to be voices within the parliament, within the party, calling for a new leadership, or at least a leadership review, and the Conservatives are really good at that. So, (laughs) Michael, tell us what what the the essence of your column was.
1: Sure. Well, the essence of my column is, as I directly said, is I believe that Aaron O'Toole should remain the Conservative Party leader, not because excuse me, he ran a perfect campaign. He most certainly didn't. There were mistakes. You know, there was obviously a lot of confusion in terms of what he believed in when it came to fiscal conservatism, government spending, or just public spending, if you wish. There were a lot of things that confused not just small-c conservative voters in this country, Roy, but a lot of Canadian voters in general. But overall, he ran an effective campaign. He supported concepts such as fiscal at moderate, so- moderate social values, And aside from the centrist positions he took, he actually walked down a line that many Canadians, you know, if they're not ideological, would feel comfortable with. And for me, that is not terribly dissimilar to the way the last three conservative leaders have operated things. Mr. Harper, Stephen Harper, my old friend and boss, Andrew Scheer, the previous conservative leader, and Mr. O'Toole all operated on a model uh, similar to what's called incremental conservatism which basically means that you're taking a moderate or a proper balance of fiscal and social conservative policies, not only to appeal just to party members, which is your main focus initially, but also to average Canadians, which is the way, obviously, you operate in an election. Now, Stephen Harper obviously used it the most successfully. He won three consecutive governments, two minorities and one majority. Andrew Scheer struggled with it because he couldn't really properly define, at least in my view, his own social conservative values the party's social conservative values and the country's as well Mm -hmm. and aaron o'toole because of the centrist policies he took he actually walked away from the core plank of fiscal conservatism which has obviously been not just an important part of the incremental conservatism but the conservative party in general but overall i think o'toole ran a good campaign i really do and I'm always of the belief that party leaders get two kicks at the can to win an election, or two chances to win an election. You know, there are leaders such as Mr. Shear, Stefan Dion, Michael Ignatieff, they didn't. But generally speaking, historically, that's the way it works. Right. Plus, very quickly, the Conservatives, if they continue to have a model where it looks like their party leader sort of operates under a revolving door policy, when they operate, you know, when they lead for a couple of years, they go into an election, they don't accomplish what they want, and then people get furious behind the scenes and turf them out, that doesn't make the Conservative Party politically viable.
0: No, it doesn't, and it doesn't make it attractive either.
1: No, it really doesn't. So for me, Aaron O'Toole basically has to take some of the things he did effectively on the campaign, but then finally go in to start to borrow concepts and ideas that other Conservative leaders, like Australia's Scott Morrison, the Republican Party in the United States historical models from Margaret Thatcher, Helmut Kohl, Angela Merkel if you want. You can even borrow a little bit from you know former US President Donald Trump in the way that he rebuilt the relationship between the Republican Party okay. and the working class, which is what Mr. O'Toole Tool did. If
0: you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever